Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Christians are the ones that have songs of victory, songs of assurance and hope and what God has done for us. Open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. We're talking about what God does in our heart. When you come to know Jesus, your life doesn't stay the same. If you were writing in the margin of your Bible out there in verses 1, 2, 3, and 4, you might put, look up. If you're raised with Christ, set your mind on things above. And then verses 5 through 7, you write out there in the margin, clean up. Because there's some things that we're supposed to put away to kill the personal sins in our life. And then today, if you were writing out there in the margin by verse 8, you might write the word ease up. (laughs) You see, when you come to know Jesus, you don't stay the same. You're forgiven and God begins to work on you. You don't have the same the same uh, characteristics in your life. I'm, obviously, the temptations are real, but, but he gives you the power to be different, to be a, the man or woman that God wants you to be in Jesus Christ. Last week, we looked at how he told us to, to kill some members. Actually, the word is slay. Some members, the sin, and that list moves from the action, immorality, down to the motive, greed, Today, we're going to begin looking at another list that moves from the motive all the way to the action. The first list dealt with personal sin. Now we're going to talk about social sin. Look at verse 7. In which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. You used to be this way, verse 8. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. Anger, wrath. Malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. I want us to look at those first three, anger, wrath, and malice. Would you pray with me? Lord, we ask that you help us with our anger. We pray that you would help us control the temper and the the wrath that we feel. And I pray you'll give victory in people's lives today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. G. Campbell Morgan humorously referred to these sins in verse 7 as the sins in good standing. And the reason he said is you don't ever hear any sermons about anger or slander. You'll hear it about immorality and all the other things, but you don't hear many people talk about this. But there are, there's something going on in our life when we have Wrath, anger, wrath, and malice. Now, we use those words interchangeably, but every one of them means something different. So today, we're going to talk about the change that Jesus makes in our life, and it shows up in our social life, in our temper, our lack of temper, or controlling our temper. Dr. Walter Cannon, a researcher at Harvard University, talks about the physiological description of an angry person. Listen to this. Respiration deepens. The heart beats more rapidly. 
the arterial pressure rises, the blood is shifted from the stomach and intestines to the heart, central nervous system, and the muscles. The processes of the alimentary canal cease, sugar is freed from the reserves in the liver, the spleen contracts and discharges its contents of concentrated corpuscles and adrenaline is secreted. So next time you get angry, you're going to know what's going on in your life. <laughs> Anger is a boiling sun that's getting hotter and hotter in our society. If, unless you've been on the space station the last couple of weeks, you've seen all kinds of anger in our country and in our world. 60% of the homicides in America are committed by angry family members. We're living in a world that's seething with anger, and it's, this anger is ungodly. Not only that, it's unhealthy. You have no idea what anger is doing to you physically. Dr. Redford Williams from Duke University wrote, the hostility and anger associated with type A behavior is the major contributor to heart disease in America. People who have problems with anger are five times as likely to suffer coronary heart disease as the average person. People act irrationally when they're angry. We do stupid stuff when we're angry, don't we? Andy came to work one day, he was limping. And his friend Josh said, Andy, what's the matter with you? And he said, oh, it's nothing. It's an old hockey injury. And Josh said, well, I never knew you played hockey. And he said, well, actually, I didn't. I heard it last year when I lost $100 on the Stanley Cuff playoffs. I put my foot through the television. <laughs> a lady in Arkansas called the police department, asked if there was a penalty for fighting. And if so, how much? Sergeant told her, said, well, you could be charged with assault and battery. The fine's $500. She said, well, I wanted, I wanted to see. I want to beat up my sister. I want to see if I can afford it. <laughs> We do stupid stuff. Anger. And anger is everywhere right now. And it's even in Christians. Now, there is an anger, and we'll talk about it in a moment, that is okay. It's a righteous anger. But the anger we're talking about here in verse 8 is not righteous anger. It is sinful anger. And so that's the first thing we want to look at is casting off sinful anger. You'll notice the word Put off in verse 8 out of the New King James Version or lay aside or cast off. It's the word used for taking off dirty clothes. You come in and after work and out in the yard, you cast off the clothing you have and put on new cloth. Paul is probably also thinking about the resurrection of Jesus. When Jesus rose from the dead, what did he do with the grave clothes? They were folded up in the tomb. In fact, when Peter and John ran to the tomb, they looked in and saw the grave clothes like they had not been disturbed. He said, if a thief had stolen the body, they would have not done that. He's saying he took off the grave clothes. He laid them aside. That's what he's saying. Put off, disrobe from this anger. Lay this stuff aside. The power of God in you, you can do this through the Holy Spirit. Dr. Hemi Drummond, a great preacher of the earlier generation, preached one of the greatest sermons on love that he published in a little book called The Greatest Thing in the World. And in that book, he said this, no form of vice, not worldliness, nor creed of gold, nor drunkenness itself does more to unchristianize society than an evil 
temper. Truer words have never been spoken. And although we use the words anger, wrath, and malice, that's the New King James translation of that, the word anger, they're, they're different. The word, this word anger comes from the Greek word orgy, O-R-G-E, which refers to a smoldering, persistent, negative emotion toward another person. The long-term physical effects of unresolved anger are well Known. In fact, anger decreases the lymphocytes in your body, which results in decreased antibodies to ward off infectious disease. So the more angry you are, the more sickly you're likely to become. Minerth and Meyer Clinic made this claim. Pent-up anger is probably the leading cause of death. Isn't that amazing? Psalm 37, 8 says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Proverbs 15, 18, a wrathful man, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention. Proverbs 27, 4, wrath is cruel and anger a torrent. Proverbs 29, 8, scoffers set a city aflame, but wise men turn away wrath. There's two old Arab proverbs. These aren't in the Bible. Don't look for them. But they're worth noting. One of them says, anger is the wind that blows out the lamp of the mind or intelligence. Anger is the wind that blows out the lamp of the mind. You don't think very well when you're angry. And the second one is, a chip on the shoulder usually indicates there's a lot more wood a little higher up. Now, we know that there are measurable physical reasons why heightened anger affects our ability to be rational. Listen to this. When we're angry or fearful, our adrenaline flows faster and our strength increases by about 20%. The liver pumping sugar into the bloodstream demands more oxygen from the heart and lungs the veins become enlarged and the blood supply to the problem-solving part of the brain is severely decreased because under stress, a greater portion of blood is diverted to the body's extremities. A management consultant says, this is an emotional condition that the person is in and it means that while he's beautifully equipped for a fight, he's poorly equipped to get a problem solved. In other words... We don't think clearly when we're angry. Of course, you already knew that, didn't you? Have you ever done anything you regretted doing But when you were angry? Getting angry like this is like getting in a sports car, gun in the motor, taking off at a high speed, and then realizing you don't have any brakes. <laughs> is anger always wrong? No. The Lord, the Lord got angry. But he never got angry when people mistreated him personally. He always got angry when God was not glorified and when other people were mistreated. It was a righteous anger. And unfortunately, most of our anger is not righteous. It's selfish. If you look at the root cause of your anger, you'll probably discover that it has to do with your rights being violated. 
or at least what you think are your rights. We have a list of expectations that we want others to follow. And when those needs are not met, we become angry. We have expectations about our jobs, about our marriages, about our church, about our neighbors. And we, we, we have this smoldering, resentful, negative emotion. That's what this is called, anger. I know some people like that. They're just mad all the time. In fact, the only time they're happy is when they're mad. You know, you know any people like that? The second thing is sudden anger. Let's talk about controlling sudden anger. Now, this is the word wrath. Thumos. It expresses itself in a rage. We speak of people going into a blind Rage. We pent up anger is like water behind a dam. When the pressure becomes too great, the dam cracks and the water gushes forth uncontrollably and the damage is irreparable. When you become angry, psychologically and physiologically, it changes are taking place in your body. When you get angry, you begin to pump adrenaline into your blood. Your heart begins to beat faster. Your blood pressure rises. Your eyes dilate. Your mouth gets dry. The palms of your hands get sweaty. Your knees, your elbows and your hands start to tremble and those changes are not good for you and you will also say things that you didn't mean to say your mind your tongue gets in gear and your mind's not even there you say slanderous things to people I hate you you should have never been born. You're a miserable child. I wish we'd never gotten married. You'll never amount to anything. And we speak all kinds of cruel and harsh and cutting words that we don't mean. Someone has said that you speak when you're angry and you'll make the best speech you will ever regret. Let me tell you something. And don't you ever believe that that old adage that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is absolutely false. Absolutely false. And you know the amazing thing is? You can control it. As a child of God, you can control it. You want me to prove it to you? I don't know all the circumstances, but chances are you've been in a heated discussion before. Heated. Maybe you weren't mad, yelling, but you were mad. And you're having it out with somebody, and all of a sudden that phone rings and you go, Hello? <laughs> well, hey, it's good to hear you from me. It's good to see you. Yeah, where did that come from? You see... We can control it. I, I got amused that during a football game, the referee called a 15-yard penalty on the offensive team for unnecessary roughness. And after he paced off 15 yards and repositioned the ball, the player that was responsible for the penalty shouted at him, you're a sorry referee, I think you stink. Without a word, the official picked up the football, marched down the field another 15 yards and sat it down and turned around and looked at that football player and he said, how do I smell from here? <laughs> we say things that we don't mean. And if you are breathing today, more than likely you can relate 
to Glenn Vaughn, who said after spending three and a half hours enduring long lines, rude clerks, and insane regulations at the Department of Motor Vehicles, I stopped at a toy store to pick up a gift for my son. I brought my selection of baseball bat up to the cash register, and he said, cash or charge? And I said, cash. And he snapped, and he said, I, I apologize for my rudeness, and then the the young lady behind the counter, the clerk said, well, first of all, I said, I've spent the entire afternoon at the Motor Vehicle Bureau, and the woman sweetly replied, shall I gift wrap the bat, or are you going back over there? <laughs> we can relate to that. Rage blowing up. And then the third one is stubborn anger, conquering stubborn anger, malice. It's a more subtle expression. The word describes a feeling of ill will towards someone. It's an emotion that secretly longs to see the person you feel this toward. You want to see something bad happen to them. You want to see them suffer. You want them to get theirs. And although this emotion usually runs underground, it'll surface at any opportunity. A person that's filled with malice will take advantage of any opportunity to harm his enemy, either through speech, which we're going to see next week, through speech or any other opportunity or action. They rejoice when their enemy suffers misfortune and despair. They want him to get theirs. You got anybody like that in your life? Maybe you don't know them personally, but you... You hear about them. I hope they get what's coming to them. Heinrich Hein once wrote, my nature is the most peaceful in the world. All I ask is a simple cottage, a decent bed, good food, some flowers in front of my window, and a few trees beside my door. Then if God wanted to make me completely happy, he would let me enjoy the spectacle of six or seven of my enemies dangling from those trees. I would forgive them all wrongs they have done to me. Forgive them from the bottom of my heart, for we must forgive our enemies, but not until they are hanged. Malice. There are people that hold that against other people. Two shopkeepers cross the street from one another, always competing. If one of the shopkeepers got a customer, he'd just smile at his rival across the street. One night an angel appeared to one of the shopkeepers and said, God has sent me to teach you a lesson about loving your neighbor. God will grant you anything you ask for, but whatever you get, your competitor will get twice as much. If you ask for money, he will receive twice as much. If you ask for health, he'll be twice as healthy. If you ask for a long life, his life will be twice as long. If you ask for children, he'll have twice as many. The man frowned for a moment. He said, all right, then I want you to strike me blind in one eye. That's malice. Malice is like the, describes the woman who was bitten by a rabid dog and it looked like she might die from rabies. And the doctor said, you need to make a will. She took a pen and paper and started writing and she kept writing. And finally the doctor said, that's a long will you're making. She said, will nothing. I'm making a list of all the people I'm going to bite. <laughs> that's malice. All of us have had it. We've all been guilty of anger and wrath and malice. So how do you get rid of it? 
let me give you some suggestions. First of all, ignore petty disagreements. Isn't it amazing what people get angry about? If you stop and think about it in the long run, you know, all of a sudden because of the the COVID-19, a lot of things have stopped people's lives. And they realize how unimportant that stuff really was. I mean, they miss it, but they're living without it. And they didn't think they could before. But it's also amazing how many people get angry over little things. Proverbs 17, 14 says, The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. Proverbs 19, 11, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and it is to his glory to overlook a transgression. Those little books of... Uh, little instruction books that you see in bookstores. One of them said, when you get really angry, stick your hands in your pockets. At one point during a Little League baseball game, the baseball coach said to one of his young players, do you understand what cooperation is, what a team is? The little boy nodded in the affirmation. Affirmative. Do you understand what matters is whether we win together as a team? The little boy nodded, yes, sir. So the coach continued, when a strike is called or when you're out at first, you don't argue or curse or attack the umpire. Do you understand that? The little boy nodded, yes, sir. Good, said the coach. Now go over there and explain it to your mother. In 1894, May the 15th, 1894, some of you may remember that day, (laughs) the Baltimore Orioles were playing in Boston. Boston weren't the Red Sox then. They were called the Bean Eaters, the Boston Bean Eaters. (laughs) What a name. (laughs) During that game, one of the players, um, John McGraw, slid into third base and the Boston third baseman kicked him in the head. Now they don't know if it was on purpose or not, but, it, but a fight ensued. Well, before long, the benches cleared. You had both teams fighting. Before long, it spread into the, the grandstands. People in the grandstands were fighting. And then a fire started in the grandstands. Burned the entire stadium down. And not only that, caught 107 buildings adjacent to it in Boston, burned them. 1,900 people left homeless over a fight that started at third base. Petty disagreements. Folks, you need to stop and think. Is this really worth a fight over? The second thing is resolve disagreements with others immediately. 
Anger is like a headache. It's a sign that something else is wrong. In Ephesians 4, 26, Paul encouraged us to deal positively with it. He said, before the day's over, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. So if you go to bed angry, you go to bed with the devil. You're giving your enemy an opportunity. If you have a disagreement with someone, talk to them. Not about them. Talk to them. It's amazing how much you can get done when you talk to each other and not about each other. Because you're going to see later that this anger and stuff leads to slander and leads to blasphemy and filthy language and lying. The third thing is ask forgiveness from those you offend with your anger. Matthew 5, 23, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Why can't you say, I'm sorry? I apologize. I regret what I've done. Would you forgive me? I want to tell you something. There's nothing to be proud of if you're too proud to offer an apology. I've heard men say, I don't ever apologize. That's sad. The fourth thing is refuse to associate with angry people. Anger can be a learned response. Proverbs 22, 24 says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Do you know any angry people? <laughs> like I said before, there's some people that aren't happy unless they're angry. But don't, don't run with them. It doesn't mean you're rude to them. It doesn't mean you don't have any contact with them. But don't hang out with angry people because it just rubs off on you. One young man, one older man said, my younger brother had quite a temper as a boy. Our parents had tried extra love, attention, and patience on him with little success. Then in the middle of one of his tantrums, they simply handed him a shovel, pointed to the backyard, and instructed him to go out and dig and not come back until he had controlled his anger. He said apparently the therapy worked because he's turned out nicely. And his friend said, well, what does he do for a living? And he said, he builds in-ground swimming pools. <laughs> well, maybe that's what you need to do. Go out and dig. Some people's favorite meal is stew. They stew about everything. They will swallow up every offense and boil on the inside. They stew about everything. Don't, don't associate, don't, don't run around, don't hang out. If they are, just block them and move on. I suggest you don't even read their posts. And finally, you need to learn the difference between rights and responsibilities. 
The chief source of anger is unmet expectations. Learn to give up your rights. What are you talking about? This is America. I have my rights. Well, you have responsibilities and you have rights. You need to transfer your rights to God. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's what Jesus did. Philippians 2, 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. All right, let's get up close and personal with this one. You ever been behind a driver that's driving 50 miles an hour in a 75-mile-an-hour speed limit zone? Yeah. And you have the right to go 75, don't you? Steve Shatley's retired DPS. He told me after the last service, He said, I used to teach in my course, there was only two kinds of drivers, idiots and morons. (laughs) And you'll have to get him to distinguish between the two. And then, and then you're, don't you love it? You're on a, you're on a four lane road. You're two lanes on your side and you got two people going 50. And then there's a sign that you drive right by the sign that says left lane for passing only. You have the right to go 75. So why are you mad? Because they're keeping you from your rights. <laughs> I agree. And my wife is here to give testimony that I am awful at this. They can't hear me, yet I talk to them. And I'm not the only one that does it. I can tell. <laughs> Or how about this? You're at a traffic light, red. Two or three cars in front of you. The light turns green. The cars, all the cars except the one in front of you go. And you look up and your head's looking down and you know what they're doing. They're on their phone. And then they look up and they take off. And they go through and the light turns red and you're stuck there one more time. Those are not my best moments. They're not. Just, Just be candid about it. How about when you go into a restaurant and you're waiting to be seated? There's another couple that came in after you And yet they seat them before they seat you. Is that one of your best moments? Or you're seated at the table and and the waitress or waiter comes and takes the order and the people that came in 10 minutes after you get their food before you get yours. Would y'all like me to shut up and quit meddling now? (laughs) Is it really worth getting so angry about. It's really not. 
was signed on a vending machine aboard a U.S. naval vessel. Said, if the machine is out of order, please contact the vending machine operator. Do not bang on this machine. He is not inside. <laughs> Our perfect example is Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 23, it says, when he was reviled. The word reviled is the, sh is the most... Uh, it's the most profane, harshest verbal abuse you could hurl at someone. When he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. All Jesus would have had to have done is just nod. And the angel armies would have finished off everybody but he gave his rights to the Lord. And folks, it's, it's a continuing battle. It's a continuing struggle. But the Holy Spirit in us can continually help us and work toward us and work on us. But you can't do any of this. You cannot lay aside anger, wrath, or malice without a change of heart. What's wrong with our nation today? It's not as um, one great preacher a long time ago, I can't think of his name, said, we don't have a skin problem in this country. We have a sin problem in this country. And unless the heart is changed, it never goes away. And the only one that can change your heart is Jesus. Because when you ask God to forgive you, he forgives you of all your sin. You place your faith in Jesus. He comes into your life and he changes you. The Holy Spirit indwells you. The Holy Spirit begins to do a makeover in your life. He begins to change you from the inside out. So if you don't know Jesus today, you can know him. If you're watching online, you see this on television. You come to the Lord and say, God, I am a sinner. I know it. I admit it. I turn from that right now. I, I change my mind. God, I don't want to live this way anymore. I'm coming to you, and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Only thing you have to plead is the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And I, Jesus, I believe you died for my sin. I believe you rose again. I believe you conquered my sin. I ask you now to come live in my life. I commit my life to you. I want you to be the Lord, the boss. I want you to live in me. And he'll go to work on you. He'll save you instantly. But then he begins to change you. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He says he does an extreme makeover in your life. So if you don't know Jesus, you can know him today. The only hope you have for a changed heart isn't religion. It's a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we need your help. First, we pray for those that have never committed their life to you. Would you show them how much you love them, how you will forgive them, how you will save them right now. If they'll just ask you to forgive and place their trust and faith in Jesus Christ to be the Lord of their life. I pray for those that are watching online today.
that need to hit that connect button and let people help them know how to receive you. Lord, all of us as your children, we struggle with this. There's not anyone in this room who's never been angry. Help us to be angry for the right reasons and not over petty things. Help us to forgive one another. Help us to seek out those we've offended and ask for forgiveness. I'm thankful, Lord, for those that you keep bringing to this church to be a part of this church. And we pray that if there are people that are looking for a church, you bring them here. We pray for those that need to be baptized. They've accepted Christ and their first act of obedience is to be baptized. I pray for families that need to be mended, for relationships that need to be healed, and for people who are down deep just seething. God, would you please remove and calm their spirit today? Because life's too short to be angry all the time. So Lord, help us to be people of peace and joy and love. The fruit of the Spirit in our life. Please help us with those moments when we get so wound up over nothing. And I pray, Father, that today people would take their anger and their wrath and their malice and they would leave it in the chair and walk out of here free in love and joy and peace. So, Lord, we thank you for your spirit today, the moving in our hearts and lives, and trust that people will follow you. If you're watching online, if you just hit that connect button, there's someone there to pray with you and to help you right now. After we're dismissed, there'll be pastors here at the front to pray with you and to talk with you about anything that may be on your heart and you just want some encouragement and, and maybe you want to know more about receiving Christ or being a member here or whatever, they'll be here. If in front of you in the chair pocket is a communication card and you can indicate the decision that you're making today and as you leave and walk out the door, you can drop it in those communication card boxes. We will call you on the telephone and talk to you about your commitment to Christ. So we've tried to make it as easy as possible for you to respond. And Lord, I, I, we do ask today that people would respond to you confessing sin, Claiming 1 John 1, 9 and confessing our sin to you, would you deliver us from the anger and the wrath and the malice? Help us to be people filled with your spirit who walk in love and peace and joy and help us to be angry over sin even in our own life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.